0: Hello and welcome to the Grace Avenue Church Podcast. As you listen to this message, I pray that you're built up, encouraged through God's word, and I pray that his Holy Spirit leads you and guides you in the way that you should go. I pray that he gives you answers for your questions, healing and help for your life. Most importantly, I pray that this word helps you to become more like Jesus and a greater influence for him in our church and in your world. Now, let's grow together. Enjoy the message. You know, today we're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus, the king who wore the crown of thorns, but now wears the crown of victory, okay? Because of his resurrection, we can worship him here, we can worship him everywhere. We can worship him in our home, we can worship him in our car, we can worship him as free people, people who've been redeemed, people who've been saved, people who've been filled with his Holy Spirit, People who now live and walk with a power greater than just natural power and natural strength that we've been given. Because of the resurrection, there's a supernatural strength residing on the inside of us. Those who believe. So on Friday, his final words were, it is finished. And now because of his resurrection, we declare he is risen. Amen. Today's about Christ's victory. Over death, hell, and the grave. Jesus was crucified. He was beaten. He was bruised. He was spit upon. He was mocked. He was ridiculed. Okay? He was beaten so we could be forgiven. The sacrifice he made was so that we could be forgiven. He was buried. His body was wrapped. It was prepared for burial. It was placed in a tomb. And then, on the third day, he was raised to life. They discovered he's not there. And as Christians, it's important that we're not only here to celebrate what we feel about the resurrection, but it's important that we know what's really important about the resurrection. Are you with me this morning? It's not enough that we feel great about the resurrection and how it makes us feel. It's important that we're grounded in the truth of what we know about the resurrection. Because really, everything rests on this. If Jesus had been crucified but not raised from the dead, there'd be no, there would be no hope for life after death. There'd be no hope for eternity. If the resurrection had not taken place, then things that Jesus said, like, I go to prepare a place for you, would not matter. They would not be true. Things that, that Jesus said, like, I will be with you always, they would not be true. This is so important. So this morning, I want to strengthen your understanding about the most Important event in the history of mankind. Okay, what's the purpose of the resurrection? What's its purpose? What does it mean for us? What does it mean in this time, in this year, in this generation, in this nation, in this city, in your life, for you individually? Okay, here's number one. Firstly, the resurrection of Jesus establishes living hope for the journey of life. Living hope for the journey of life. You know, sometimes people say, man, life is short. But how many of you know who are older? Life is actually long. (laughs) And it's a lot longer than you wish it was sometimes. (laughs) Aches and pains and things hurting that didn't used to. Things you have to deal with for extended amounts of time. Okay, so life is not actually short. Life is actually very long. And the choices that we make have long-term impact. And the resurrection establishes in us A living hope for the journey of life. You know, Jesus said that like rivers of living water would be flowing from out of us. That's what salvation is like. That's the power of the gospel. This is why we have an insatiable appetite for God. Because there's always a river flowing in us. There's always a life flowing in us. There's always hunger and thirst flowing in us. That's why we can't be satisfied in sin. That's why we can't be satisfied in temporary things because the fresh flow of God is trying to flow through us to get us to what's true. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ according to his great mercy. Come on, are you thankful for his great mercy? He has caused us to be born again to a living Hope, a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We have a living hope. You know, as we see what's going on in our country, as we see what's happening in our nation, as we see corruption in in leadership in all kinds of places, as we see greed, as we see murder, as we see terror, as we see horrible, dysfunctional things, as we see perversion, as we see all these things, we have to ask ourselves, what is our hope in? Where is our hope? Where is our hope? Where is our hope this morning? Is it in something? Is it in someone else? Is it in us having enough money to build a life where we can escape from some of the madness and go buy some land somewhere and escape all the craziness? What is our hope in? And if we don't want to face that question this morning, our children will have to face that question. Our grandchildren will have to face that question. What is our hope in? Do we have hope in some random thing, or do we have living hope that's found in Jesus? So you can't live on this earth unless you have a heart of stone and not be affected in your heart and your mind by the things that we're seeing every single day, every single month, every single year that goes by. There's a difficulty. I've asked a few people in in their 70s recently, have you ever seen it? This bad, just in your lifetime, have you ever seen it this bad? And they've said, no, I haven't. I haven't seen it this divided politically. I haven't seen it this corrupt and this bad in our nation. But thank God that we have a living hope. A living hope that in the first century of Christianity changed people that were under Roman occupation changed people that were oppressed, impacted people. The life of the gospel invaded the hearts and the minds of people and swept across the world and still impacts us 2,000 years later. We have a living hope. See, the resurrection of Jesus is not hype to live on. It's hope to live with. Come on, you ever feel, you know, like tomorrow if you have to go back to work, you're like, oh, man, i got to go back to work tomorrow. How many of you feel like that right now? Because I just said it. You weren't thinking about it, but now you're thinking about it. Oh, i got to go back to that, right? And so sometimes you got to get hyped for Monday. You, you need some hype. You need some motivation, okay? But in our faith, we need more than hype. We need hope. We need hope that carries us Monday through Saturday. We need that, that hope that, that is alive in Jesus. I don't know about you, but there have been seasons where I've hit the wall. Things have been so difficult. Things have been so internally tormenting. I've, I've faced depression and anxiety that's overwhelming and been at the place where, where I've said to myself, "Man, I don't know if I have it in me to keep giving out, to keep going. But then I fall back on the living hope. I don't fall into my own circumstances. I don't fall into what I think. I don't fall into what I feel. I fall into a living hope that Jesus says is consistent and that's eternal. See, this, this theme of hope, it's found all throughout the New Testament. The Old Testament books, they point to hope in the Messiah who will come. The New Testament books, specifically the Gospels, they tell us who and what hope truly is. That it's Jesus who was born to die for the sins of the world. See, if there's no resurrection, we have no hope. There's no hope for those we love who passed away. There's no hope for those that we hope to see again one day. There's nothing because if there is no resurrection, that means Jesus did not conquer death. And if Jesus did not conquer death, what is our hope in? What hope do we have? See, Jesus is our living hope for the long journey of life. Number two, the resurrection of Jesus puts death and grief in its proper perspective. It puts death and grief in in its proper perspective. Death is real. It's a real part of life. Grief is real. It's a real part of life. And and unfortunately, uh, even sometimes in some church circles, we don't learn how to grieve. We don't learn how to go through the process of grief. We experience death and then somehow we're supposed to just be hyped up into some false reality and not allow grief to be dealt with. Okay? But, but the foundation of where our grief and, and, and death that we see experienced or death of loved ones or death of friends, this is grounded in hope of the resurrection. See, First Thessalonians says, we don't grieve as those who have no hope. It's not saying we don't grieve. It's saying we grieve differently. We don't grieve as those who have no hope. We have a hope. And his name is Jesus. And he rose on the third day. I've been to a lot of funerals. I've done a lot of funerals too as a pastor. And I can tell you this. I witness people who grieve with hope. And I witness witness people who grieve without hope. Because everything is based in the here and now. And the older I get, the more heaven means to me. The older I get, the more eternity means to me. The older I get, the more I long to see people who I've lost. Come on, don't you sense that as well? The older we get, the more at peace we get, the more uh, we face the reality of of even our death at some point in the future. Hopefully not today, okay? But at some point in the future, we think about these things differently. Where is our hope? It's in the resurrection of Jesus. It's in the resurrection of Jesus. Revelation. Revelation. Revelation 21 says he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning. Come on, listen to this. Neither shall there be crying nor pain anymore. For the former things, this life, this world, this time has passed away. Come on, that's the living hope that we have in Jesus. Death and grief are not the end. Death and grief are part of the journey but they are not the end. Come on, we all grieve at death. We, we, we mourn those who passed away, but as for us as believers, we put our hope in Christ's resurrected body, the resurrected body of Jesus. That is our anchor, our guarantee. Number three, the resurrection of Jesus guarantees forgiveness for the worst of sinners. Forgiveness for the worst of sinners. Come on, we we could all make a list here of who we think the worst of sinners are in the world. We just wouldn't put ourselves on that list. But the reality is, is that we're all the worst of sinners. But because of God's grace, that's no longer a label over our life. We've been saved and we've been redeemed and we've been forgiven. You know, when I came to Jesus, one of the primary driving factors that, that, that was a voice in my head that was keeping me from Jesus was this tormenting belief that I couldn't even believe that I I had become who I had become. Because I'd grown up in church, I'd I'd experienced the power of the Holy Spirit, I'd been saved, I'd, I'd known God, I'd known His people, I'd seen miraculous things, I'd seen salvation, I'd seen transformations. I had seen so much and and. In my rebellion, I turned away from a lot of that. And for years, I I ran from that. And when God got a hold of me, because how many of you know that the love of God, it continues to draw you, even at your worst. That river of living water in you is continuing to try and pump out life and truth and hope and mercy. And it's always calling you back. Amen. It's always calling us back. But one of the driving factors for me was, was, looking at how low my life had become and how I felt about myself. I remember remember saying to myself, I can't believe I've gone this low. Like, I can't believe this is what I've become. See, at that time, I, I felt like the worst of sinners. And then I met Pastor Henry. He's one of the worst, actually, in my life. But before I met him, I felt horrible about myself. But he's forgiven as well, amen? Aren't you glad that one of your pastors is forgiven as well? But see, when we read Scripture, we have to understand. We have to understand. Jesus came to forgive sinners. The Bible says this is why he came. Look, he was hung between two thieves. And he says to one, today you will be with me in paradise. This man was guilty. This man was a sinner. This man had no time to clean his life up, to put 12 months into rehabilitation of, a, of, his, rehabilitation of his behavior, no time to clean up any mess that he made, no, no time to ask anybody, hey, man, will you forgive me? I screwed some things up. No time to repair the damage, no, no time to, to rebuild the bridge that had been burned. It was his faith in Jesus, and Jesus' immediate Forgiveness over his life that set him free. That's the power of the good news of the gospel. We rest in the immediate words of Jesus that set us free. Come on, the Apostle Paul said, I'm the chief of sinners. This is literally how he writes about himself in the scriptures. I am the chief of sinners. I'm the worst of the worst. The woman who who washed the feet of Jesus, who couldn't stop crying because of the great mercy she'd been shown. Overwhelmed with gratitude. For who Jesus was and what he'd done in her life. The 12 disciples, Jesus pulled sinful men close to him and asked them to follow him. In fact, it says that when Jesus had gone and prayed, he then and went and chose his disciples. So he went, prayed, then went and chose sinful people to be changed, to be set free, to be redeemed, to be loved, to be forgiven. Come on, that is the mercy and the grace of our Lord Jesus. To the woman who'd been caught in adultery. Doesn't that confuse you how they caught the woman, but they didn't catch the man? (laughs) I don't get it. Anyways, the woman was caught in adultery. It says, when Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, woman, where are your accusers, these accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. And then Jesus spoke to them again saying, I'm the light of the world and he who follows me shall not walk in darkness but have the light of life. You see, this is the power of the resurrection. The power of the resurrection sets us free and causes us to not only be the light of the world but to walk in the light of the world. See, Jesus said, I am the light of the world and then he turns it and says, you are the light of the world. We're the light to our friends. We're the light to our family. We're the light to the world. We're the light to our coworkers. We're the light to our neighbors. Be nice to your neighbors. We're the light to our neighbors. Are you with me? 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 17 says, If Christ is not raised, your faith is futile, and you're still in your sins. Think about that. If Christ is not raised, like he was crucified, but if he's not raised then we would still be in our sins. See, we've all sinned against God. We've all sinned against people. 1 John says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Romans 4.25 says, Jesus was handed over to die because of our sins. And he was raised from the dead to make us right with God to make us right, to settle it once and for all that we are made right. To be made righteous is different than feeling good about not messing up anymore. To know that you've been made right, to know that you've been made righteous in his sight sight, is a whole other story altogether. See, the trap of sin, it causes us to spiral downward until we're completely calloused and deceived disconnected. See, sin brings no good things into our life, nothing good into our life. I'm talking to the choir here, I know, because none of you sin and you're all perfect. However, I know my life, and the power of Jesus' forgiveness covers our sin, that covers unrighteousness, Ephesians 1 says, in Christ we're set free by the blood of his death, and so we have forgiveness of sins because of God's rich grace. We have the forgiveness of sins not because of what you do or don't do, but because of his grace, because of his mercy. 1 John chapter 3, verse 8 says, for this purpose... The Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. See, Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil over your life and in your life. Everything that's labeled over your life, everything you've labeled yourself with, other things that people have said, other things that people have done, things you said about yourself, Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil in your life. You know, some of the worst things said to us are the things we say about ourselves are the things we think about ourselves. The Bible says that Satan is an accuser. It says that he stands before the throne night and day as the accuser of the brethren. The enemy works day in and day out, never takes a day off, working to accuse you, working to destroy the foundation that God has established, working to destroy your peace, working to destroy your hope. So we have to remember, Jesus came to destroy those works of the devil And no money, no new job, no new career, no new city can destroy the thing that God is trying to do. And it can't be the remedy for the thing that we want to escape. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil and the effects of the devil. Number four, the resurrection of Jesus ensures our eternal purpose beyond this life. Let's think about that for a second. The resurrection of Jesus ensures our eternal purpose beyond this life. We're talking a lot about eternity today. We're thinking about things beyond this life because this is what Jesus says in, in John 14. Don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I, I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come back and I'll take you to be with me so that you may be where I am also. See, beyond this life is a new heaven and a new earth with new bodies, new hairline, new waistline, new hope, eternal hope, newness, See, part of our our challenge is breaking free from the boxed-in mentality that this is it. That we got to get everything out of this life quick and fast and make it happen. We're supposed to have an eternal perspective. And the resurrection is the thing that's supposed to ground that into our soul so much that when we lose here, we know it's not the end. That when we don't understand what's going on here, we understand there's a bigger picture at work. I mean, Jesus basically says this. Hey, hey, he's saying, I'm not lying to you. If this was not true, I would have told you. I am going to prepare a place for you. And the resurrection guarantees that. Maybe this morning you need a bigger picture. Maybe this morning the message was meant to broaden your horizons just a bit. Maybe you've been stuck emotionally, mentally, or spiritually in the here and now. Maybe it's become overwhelming. Maybe this has become too heavy. This life has become too heavy to bear. I want to lift your eyes to heaven this morning. I want to strengthen your faith. I want to help strengthen your soul. Because Jesus says there is something beyond this life, and the resurrection ensures it ensures our connection to that eternal purpose He's given us and what He's called us to do. Come on, this morning we need to be reminded that we are to keep our eyes and our hearts set on Jesus. Our eyes and our hearts set on Jesus. Lastly, the resurrection of Jesus gives us supernatural power to live and be his witnesses. To live and be his witnesses. Come on, life is more than building a career. Life is more than getting that car or that house. Life is more than our our dreams, our goals. Life is being a witness along this long journey of life so that we stand before a Savior someday who says, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, good and faithful mother. Well done, good and faithful father. Well done, good and faithful entrepreneur. Well done, good and faithful student. Well done, good and faithful pastor. Well done, good and faithful friend. Come on, the resurrection gives us supernatural power to live and be his witnesses. Romans 8 says the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he'll give life to our mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within us. See, God never intended for any of us to live by our own strength. This is the power of God's church connected together, the body. This is the power of being unified with one another. This is why Paul said, let there be no divisions among you. Get the garbage out between you and other people. Come on, keep that unified spirit. Let forgiveness reign. Keep the air clean. Don't let things get in between you and your brothers and sisters in Christ. Let forgiveness rule. Let it reign. Because if not, then you start trying to live by your own strength. And God says, hey, there's a strength I've given you, a power, a supernatural power to live and be my witness. See, I think that sometimes some of our greatest struggles are because we're trying to live by our own strength, our own mentality, our own way of working it out, our own way of figuring it out. Come on, whenever we're facing difficult situations, we pretty much calculate one or two ways it can go. You ever think about that? Well, it could go this way or it could go that way. What if it goes neither way? What if God has a completely different way you haven't thought about? And what if all your strength is zeroing in on two things that are not even reality, but you're putting your hope in one of these two outcomes? I could speak passionately about this because this is one of my biggest problems. It's going to go this way, God, or it's going to go that way. And it goes neither. And God says, I'm in control. I'll make a way where there seems to be no way. I'm the one who makes rivers in the desert, streams in the wasteland. I'll create the pathway. You'll have to trust me. But don't trust me by your own strength. Trust me by the supernatural strength that I put on the inside of you. See, God did not make us independent. He made us interdependent, dependent on him and dependent on one another. Come on, in in, in this country, we, we don't like to let people know that we're hurting. We don't like to let people know that we need someone. We don't like to let people know that we're struggling. But it's in those moments where we're leaning on God's supernatural power and his strength and his love for the whole body of Christ that unites us together, that brings us to be able to depend on him. See, when we isolate, when we withdraw from God's people, when we pull away from the church, from his spirit, from community, from worship together, we're really saying to ourselves, I've got what it takes to do this life. I don't need anyone else. Now, we don't come out naturally and say that, but essentially by our actions, what we're saying is, I've got this. I can do this. And God's heart is opposite. He wants us to rely on him because in him is the power of his spirit. Zechariah 4, 6. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. See, resurrection power doesn't just help us live life. It helps us thrive in life and in God's kingdom. Amen. These are reasons why we can celebrate God's resurrection this morning. Can we just give Jesus a hand, being the King of kings and the Lord of lords in our life? I'd like to take this moment to ask you to to stand up. I'd like us to close with the sacrament of communion. I'd love for us to take this moment to think to take our time to not be in a rush, to not be strengthened today just by what we feel, but by what we know about the resurrection. Usher's going to pass the elements to you here. You can just take one of those that contains the cup and the bread after you've taken one from the ushers, would you just bow your head and let's just reflect on the resurrection power that now lives on the inside of us. This is what the Word of God says, that the same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead now lives in us. That is eternal power. That is supernatural power. It's the power to forgive sin. It's the power to renew mind. It's the power to renew a mind and a heart far from God. It's the power to heal, the power to provide, the power to direct. Come on, are we thinking too small of God in this Easter season? Are we thinking about the power that's at work on the inside of us? To do what God has called us to do, to be who God has called us to be. He says, be still and know that I'm God. Amidst the busyness and the rushing around of life is the still, small voice of the Lord calling us to reflect, to draw near, to know him intimately, personally, uniquely. There are things God wants to say that social media can never tell you. There are things God wants to say that no human could ever tell you, that no pastor could ever teach you, that no friend could ever encourage you with, that no mom or dad could teach you, that no brother or sister could tell you. The Bible says that in the presence of God, there is fullness of joy. As the Holy Spirit is alive and well this morning, I'm praying that this morning he's restoring joy in your life. These are dark times. These are heavy times scripture says that this is the kingdom of God righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit joy is a mile marker it's a sign not hype, not fake fake smiles the joy of the Lord that is our strength this morning I'm praying that his resurrection power would stabilize and seal that joy in your life in this season garden he asked if this cup could pass he faced if you will yet another temptation his humanness to deal with the impending reality of his coming crucifixion to know that beyond that moment would be the salvation of all mankind the anxiety caused him to sweat drops of blood in the garden would only be the first of the drops of blood that would flow from his body. And as he knew this was coming, as he knew this was on the way, he chose in his last moments not to serve himself, but to serve others by washing the very feet of his own disciples. In his final moments, he chose not to be served, but to serve. See, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And in his very final moments, he's doing that very thing to show us how much he loves us and what we are to be in his name, servants of the Most High God. You to look up and I'm going to put a verse up here on the screen from Luke. And he took the bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and he gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. this morning you can take the bread thank you Lord for the sacrifice your body and you can take the cup Symbolic of a new covenant. This cup is a new reality he's brought us into. He said it's been poured out for you. You can pass those to the ushers as you finish. Lord this morning we thank you for your resurrection, for your glory, for your honor, for your power that now lives not just eternally but here and now in your kingdom here on earth. Father we praise your name. We ask that your power be at work in us. We ask that your joy be settled in us this morning. We ask that we walk out today with a living hope that's been encouraged, that's been strengthened. We thank you, God, for your work on the cross, but we thank you even more that you are risen and seated at the right hand of God today. Lord, we pray that your resurrection life would be at work in us, in our hearts and minds. Lord, let this Easter weekend be one that is marked as different, one that seals where there is doubt, one that seals where there is confusion, One that seals joy from on high into our hearts and minds and in our soul. Lord, we thank you for the work that was done on the cross. We thank you that the tomb is empty. In Jesus' mighty name and all God's people say, amen, amen. Well, I pray that that word blessed you. If you'd like to know more about Grace Avenue Church or want to know more about how to be a part of what God has called us to here in the city of San Antonio, or if you'd like to sow financially into our vision and mission, please visit us online at graceavenuechurch.com. Thanks so much for listening. We hope to see you soon.